This is the Sports Nightly Fantasy Football League Podcast. Wow, what a throw, 33 yards. Winston is hotter than a match, his ninth completion here in the first quarter. You know how I feel about stats. Really, stats are for losers. Final scores for winners. Here goes Chubb, he's going to go. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Nick Chubb. He's got a hat trick. Anybody can be beat. An 83-yard touchdown strike by the NFL MVP. You like that? You like that? Now here's your host, Ben McLaughlin. Thank you and welcome to another weekly edition of the Sports Nightly Fantasy Football Podcast, the number one podcast anywhere in the world ever. Um, that That is a known fact. We have received confirmation of that this week. And we welcome back into the show, Mr. Tim Curran, Mr. Austin Orman. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank glad, you. Glad to be here. Friday Night Sports Nightly Reunion. Yes, exactly. Um, Tim, it's been a few weeks for you. Um, I think since week one, I have you written down. So um, let's get it. Let's just start start with you. Um, Sir Yacht's inside source, currently 2-2. Two and two. Give us a status report of your team um, and how they've performed since week one and, and where, where you're at on, on your boys. Look, there's been uh, some, some rough patches. There's been some adversity I've had to face. Uh, I think everyone uh, has to go through some of that as their season progresses, but uh, we're, we're locked and loaded and, and stronger than ever. I've made some shrewd moves, uh, picked some guys up off waivers uh, like Cole Beasley uh, and others who I already forgot. I'm um, going to have some guys back from injury. Raheem Mostert is back. Uh, still technically questionable for this week, but he's slotting that flex, and he better play because I ain't moving him <laughs> out of my lineup. Uh, and some guys have, have underperformed. Um, I'm not naming any names, but Julio, uh, we are no longer on speaking terms. Julio oh, yeah. Jones. He's out yeah, of here, he's, huh? He's He is dead to me. Um, okay. And when you're dead to me, uh, it, it's not a good thing. There's no coming back. There's, There's no coming no, back. There's no, no coming back. I two and two. So Austin, look you at, were with us up. two and two. Yeah, not bad. You know, we should we'll get into standings here in a second, but interesting standings uh, through this point <laughs> in the season. We'll, we'll get to those here in just a second. Austin, it's been weeks since two since we've had you. Um, you've kind of had an interesting path to your two and two record. Where are you at with your team right now? I am at the same place I was a couple weeks ago. I'm not fully confident in them. They're, they're good enough to win some games. It's definitely not a... Uh, a championship caliber team by any stretch of the imagination. But no, my guys are solid. This week I'm I'm a little bit scared. Uh, my, my running back situation does not look great. Aaron Jones is on a bye, as is DeAndre Swift. So that's got me a little bit worried for this week. But I did get 15 points for Mike Evans on Thursday, so that's, that's a solid good start. start. Yeah, good start. Can't complain about that. Um, I, too, am 2-2. Two and two, And, um, you know, when I, when I break down my team – I feel like we, we finally played well uh, last week against Austin. Uh, fell 12 points short, thanks in large part to uh, the Falcons' offense being anemic and just really not being able to do anything. So I have made a move in my lineup, which I feel quite confident in, and I'll get to that here in just a second. Okay, let's let's go through the standings, shall we? I, I hinted at this just a little bit ago, and boy, it, boys, when you look at it, I don't know that I've ever had a fantasy league quite like this, so... Uh, of course, 10-team league, we're split into two divisions. Eight of the 10 teams are 2-2. Two and two. <laughs> Eight of us are have a 2-2 two and two record. Josh Banderas, 
four and zero. Jeremiah Searles, zero and four. So our former Huskers are the only ones that aren't two and two. One of them is four and zero. One of them is zero and four. Other than that, it's just it's just a jumbled mess right now. When you look at uh, the, the the current situations with with the fantasy the fantasy points um, and the records, it's it's just utter craziness. Um, it should be said that Josh Banderas, no surprise here at the 4-0 record, is number one in points with 627. Um, Mick right behind with six, or excuse me, 592. So Josh is the only one, Bando, I should say, is the only one over 600. And then we've got two through five. So we've got the next four players that are, are within 30 points of each other. And then we've kind of got the next batch of four that's me that's greg that's tim that's uh lamar our fan um at 455 we're all within uh, about 35 points of each other so you can see it's tiered off a little bit with the two and two teams but for the most part it is it's just a it's a cluttered cluttered mess and i think that a lot of this has to do with injuries um but we are starting to see draft strategy kind of play out through this as well um, and, and I'm kind of, I'm curious, Austin, you, you, you kind of played into something that we've hit on the last few weeks on the podcast with Mick. We've had Mick in back-to-back weeks and we talked some draft strategy with Mr. Steiner about, you know, what, what his philosophy was going in and his was a little bit like mine, but he, he was a little more oomph to that strategy. And that was to take basically a whole bunch of running backs. I wanted to make sure I was set at the running back position Mick is just hoarding any and all running back that is getting carries and touches and points right now <laughs> and, uh, and, and is hoarding them all on his roster. You mentioned your running back room is a little thin right now. Let's, let's, let's rewind since we haven't had you on since week two uh, to your draft strategy and, and what it was and maybe now in hindsight through four, four weeks what you would have changed. Well, with the first pick, I was sitting there at fourth overall. And I actually took a running back with my first pick, Aaron Jones, instead of Zeke Elliott, who was still on the board. And that's been a solid move. Pretty, pretty good. I have no complaints with how Aaron Jones has gone about putting up points. And then I don't know what happened. I guess I just didn't take other running backs for a while. Then I get Austin Eckler, but he got put on injured reserve. So I had to move him, got rid of him. And then at that point, there wasn't much on the waiver wire, a couple couple trade talks were no starters. Finally, I picked DeAndre Swift up off of waivers just in time for him to hit a bye week. And I'm not sold on that pickup. Um, but yeah, I hoarded wide receivers. A couple of young ones and Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson have been solid sitting on my bench. If this were a, you know, if I were actually a head coach, I would look for a lot more ways to get these guys involved. They've been really solid, but just not quite good enough to displace my Mike Evans, Amari Cooper duo and then my flex spot Robbie Anderson was another guy I took a flyer on he's been pretty solid this year as well so I went more the wide receiver route and now with Husker fan favorite Rex Burkhead and Chase Edmonds as my starting running backs for this week I'm uh, not loving it (laughs) okay so Tim we'll get to you here in just a second but since we're on the on the subject of running backs and we're on the subject of Mick hoarding them all and, and trying to finesse some trades Austin, I, 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 Josh offered me a trade, I think it was two weeks ago, and I purposely ignored it until the podcast. I wanted to address it on the podcast, and I purposely did the same uh, with you because you actually offered me a trade, um, and we'll get into the details here in just a second. Am I the, let's just start here. Are, am I the only one you offered a trade to, or do you have multiple offers out? 
you're the only one I have an official offer out to. Others have been I've been in talks with others. Okay, okay. So let's let's walk through the trade here. Uh, you offer me Justin Jefferson, rookie from LSU, uh, who's really had a nice uh, couple of games for Minnesota. He had a breakout. I think it was two games ago where he had uh, his first touchdown. I think he had ten catches and like 170 yards or something crazy like that. And then Greg Ward, so two wide receivers. Greg Ward, of course, a part of that dysfunctional Philly offense, but with basically no able bodies at wide receiver, you figure Greg Ward will receive some targets. And you you um, are needing a running back, so you come after Joshua Kelly. And I got to be honest with you, I was confused uh, with the with the notification because I thought it was a trade that you made with somebody else that I had to approve or vote for <laughs> because I had forgotten I picked up Joshua Kelly. I had just completely forgotten about that because um, I, too, had to drop Saquon Barkley um, because of an injury. So here's my thought process on the trade. I think it's a more than fair trade on your part, or for both sides, rather. But here, here I'm not going to accept the trade, and I'm, I want to give you my reason why. Mike Davis has been phenomenal for, for me as a backup for Carolina. I don't know how much longer I can keep him in there. I, I know Christian McCaffrey is going to come back at some point, probably relatively soon, and Mike Davis will basically be a, a straight cut from my roster at that point, uh, unless C-Mac, CMC were, were to go down again. So assuming that logic, uh, Mike Davis being cut by, let's just say, week seven or, or week eight, and and he's a straight cut. That leaves me with David Montgomery and Joshua Kelly, and that's it with running backs. So if I am literally one injury away from being basically the same situation you are, now I do really want Justin Jefferson. That I almost straight accepted the trade because of him, and I probably would have just cut Greg Ward because my wide receiver situation is a little in flux in large part because I don't know what A.J. Brown is. I was so pumped with that draft pick. I thought he was going to be great for Tennessee. Not only has he not performed while he's been playing, but he's a part of the Tennessee Titans who can't seem to follow the rules <laughs> and, and get on the field for fantasy. So I really don't know what to do with A.J. Brown at this point. And Terry McLaurin's been banged up. But Tyler Boyd and Keenan Allen have both been solid. Tyler Boyd you know, gets 10 targets a game from, from Joey B. And Keenan Allen... Um, for whatever reason, Herbert loves throwing to him all the time. So both of those guys get targets, and I don't see myself putting another wide receiver in the flex position. So while I am very intrigued with the offer, I think it's a fair offer, uh, I almost accepted it just because of um, Justin Jefferson. I would love to have him on my team. I'm going to pass for now, but I am not opposed to doing a deal in the future. So understandable. See, my, my, my thought process on that is that I was trading from a position of depth, trying to get your depth where of I course. thought we could, you know, both, I wasn't trying to rip anyone off. I hate those oh, trades. No, no. I'm not the best fantasy player. So I try <laughs> to look for trades that I think can make both people better. Um, I was hoping you would overlook McCaffrey coming back. Obviously you're smarter than that, but, uh, but it was at least me, worth a shot. Let me say this. I, I wasn't insulted by the offer at all. I was not. And, sure. and in, and in plenty of other leagues, I've gotten trade offers where I've just straight laughed. And just been like, what are you doing? Like, like you think I've never played this before? So Josh gave me a great offer. You gave me a great offer. Unfortunately, uh, no moves will be made. I will suggest to you, though, Austin, because I don't know if you've heard it from Mick, that he is open to trading. So if you are um, lead, looking for a running back, he's got 47 of them on his <laughs> roster. And I'm sure 
uh, he is in need of a wide receiver as well. So I'm sure if you were to dangle Justin Jefferson, he may take the bait on that one. Um, Tim, we, we have business to discuss. You, uh, you, you are pounding your chest very hard after running over Austin in week <laughs> one. Um, you kind of gave us the status report with your team already. Walk us through a little bit, if you will, um, the, your matchup this week and, and kind of how your roster shakes out. You mentioned you're done with Julio. W- where is your roster breakout right now? Where did you try and make a p- improvements and, and just general thoughts on how your team stacks up this week in particular? Yeah, my, my having gotten a lot of consistency out of my receivers. Um, in fact, you guys were talking about trades. Uh, Josh uh, rejected one of my trades, and uh, it took him like two seconds to consider it. I was going to send him Julio <laughs> and I, someone else. I might have even been monstered for uh, for Calvin Ridley because after Calvin had that zero-point effort, I figured Josh might have been unhappy with him looking to unload. <laughs> Not the case. He rejected my trade after like reviewing it for three seconds. Um, but no, I've had to make some some shifts at flex at wide receiver. I remember picking up Slayton thinking that was a great pick. He's been terrible ever since I picked him up. He had that like 28 point game and has just done nothing since. Um, I've got Henderson as well on my bench who, when I put him on the bench, he scores 20 points. And when I play him, he gets three. Uh, So that's really, really great. Uh, Rogers, who was actually my backup quarterback has been excellent, but he's got to buy this week. So now I've got to start Watson. Who's just been kind of mediocre to average. Uh, Cook is really never that healthy. Ingram is worthless. Debo Samuel finally healthy again. We'll see what happens now. Uh, but in terms of my starters, Ezekiel Elliott is really the only guy who who's given me any consistent production. Todd Gurley has been decent, um, but he he's had that one week where I think he only got six points. But as long as they're healthy, that's really all I'm looking for right now. So Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley, I'm feeling okay about them. Bobby Trees, a.k.a. Robert Woods, has been good, but he had a terrible week last week. I picked up Cole Beasley. So hopefully he'll uh, he, he's been actually been pretty solid. Uh, he, no one had him surprisingly, but he's been scoring like 15, 16 points a week. So I'll take that any day. Zach Ertz has just been okay. Uh, Moster really needs to be healthy though, because that flex I think that's that's been killing me. Because uh, when he's he- when he was healthy, he was getting 15, 20 points a game. But but now with with him being hurt and, b- and banged up, I I really miss that production. So I, I went from being projected to. to destroy everyone in the league to uh kind of on the back foot and then uh, also i forgot about my kicker randy bullock i just picked him up uh, i think i had prayer before he just wasn't getting the job done but anyway uh but on to the matchup i'm playing uh homeland obscurity this week aka brett Woody's team big rivalry big rivalry big rivalry uh it's a grudge match um it, yeah you just throw the record books out the window because uh, whenever whenever brett and tim meet the clash of titans i'm projected to win by nine points i think that's probably about fair he does have russell wilson that worries me a little bit um but he, but he's also got derrick henry who i would be worried about but i don't think that game he's going to get off now that tennessee game didn't they have more positives i don't really know what's going on uh, with sounds that like it's on as of right now mm-hmm. the game is on again okay. we're recording this saturday night so so that yeah we'll so that so okay who knows so maybe he gets some points out of that he's got latavius murray um, I again, I don't really know how he's been doing this season. Not that great. I think he had a breakout game last week, but whatever. He let's just say he's a dud. Probably is. Lockett, uh, he'll probably put up some numbers up. But he's got Lamb, Higby, Fuller. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think that my team is is overall uh more solid in my objective uh, and fair uh rating system. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a nail biter. I think it comes down to the end. Um, but 
by Tuesday night, I'm going to need Beasley to, to come through, I think. Uh, it'll probably come to that Tuesday, but I, I think I'll pull it out in the end. All right, boys, while I segue into the into my next topic, and, I, and it's something I've really wanted to – I've discussed with my fantasy friends this week, and it's something I really wanted to bring up on this podcast, and hopefully those listening um, can kind of empathize and we can kind of talk through this situation. And it's not just relative to our league. It's relative to every league right now in fantasy football. So pull up some tight end numbers, boys, uh, while I'm kind of going through my segue, my intro here to this next part. Um, to me, I, I am I am dumbfounded by what we're seeing right now at the tight end position in fantasy football this season. Um, it, it obviously going into the draft, there were two elite guys, right? Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, those are both ADP uh, anywhere between fifteen and thirty. Um, you know, guys that were picked with second round picks, third round picks, more so than than later. Um, but when you look at the best scorers right now. In, in in fantasy, obviously Travis Kelsey number one, um, but then you look at the next batch, right? Robert Tanyan, who is still a free agent in our league, by the way. Jimmy Graham, Darren Waller, Noah Fant, Mark Andrews, who was probably the third uh, tight end, um, you know, preseason. Dalton Schultz, George Kittle, all the way down there uh, in about eighth or ninth place, of course, because of the injury. Then you've got Jonu Smith, Tyler Higby, T.J. Hawkinson. Mike Gesicki, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, so on and so forth. Um, you look at the numbers, right? And and outside of, of Kelsey and Tanyan's numbers are widely inflated because his three touchdown game last last time. But you go down to Jimmy Graham at third to we'll go all the way to uh, let's say Zach Ertz. We'll cut it off at 40, 40 fantasy points from 40 to 57 point nine so basically 18 points difference there's a batch of like 14 players and none of them are consistent so I guess my roundabout way of analyzing this I want to start first with what are your guys's thoughts on your tight end how they perform this year and and you know when you're going through your matchups week to week what's your general thought of your tight end versus the tight end that you're feeling you're you're, you're playing against that you've had in the, in the first four weeks Austin let's start with you you know, I'm okay with my tight end position. I actually got Darren Waller. He's been my tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders so far this year. 57.7 points, averaging just over 14, shade over 14 points a week. Not eye-popping numbers, not the 40 that George Kittles put up, but it's solid. It's a, it's a good boost. I'll take it. He's been He's been pretty much right around there every week, so I know I'm going to get... No fewer than 12, probably no more than 20, but that's that's a solid range and a good start for a tight end. I was looking at that waiver wire a little bit just for when Vegas has its bye, but I've been really actually pretty satisfied with Darren Waller so far. Tim? Yeah, my tight end situation has been mediocre at best. Zach Ertz has, has not been terrible, but he's really, he's never boomed. You know, he's been kind of consistently underperforming. Um, he did okay in week three, got 14 points, but beyond that, I mean, last week, that, that San Fran game, he had, like, just under seven points. So I, I can't really rely on him for a, for a big week. I know that he's not going to just completely flame out. I know he's not going to, you know, not get targeted at all. But the quarterback play from Philadelphia hasn't been there. But I, I, at the at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not that upset because, um, you know, on my bench, I don't really have that much better of an option. I got Jared Cook, who's been kind of banged up, and he's only been doing okay. Um, he's not really going to outpace Ertz any week, I don't think. 
And then historically, my, my drafting of tight ends, I've usually kind of put them on the back burner, which is a mistake. I mean, I think if you're not taking a tight end really early in the draft, you're you're going to be in trouble. And that uh, <laughs> kind of shows. I can't remember exactly when I took Ertz, but I, I'm, I'm thinking if, if we do this again, I'm going to have to consider taking a, a tight end first overall if, if yeah. I can, because <laughs> it, it just, yeah, if, if you're not getting Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, um, you're basically reaching your hand in the lottery. And yeah, you might you might miss out on a big name receiver or running back who are obviously huge, but there's more good receivers and running backs and even guys that you can pick up on waivers. But for tight end, it just seems like there's a few guys you can count on one hand, the amount of guys who you rely on week to week. Um, and that just that just isn't the case with every other position. Like quarterback, there's plenty of guys you can go pick at QB who's gonna get who's gonna put up some numbers. But at tight end, that ain't the case. And so I've got Zach Ertz. Uh, he's doing okay, but again, he's not he's not exactly what's going to lead me to victory. So it is. You would it think that the biggest thing that would help Zach er- a guy like Zach Ertz is the injury to Dallas Goddard. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a big, um, I suppose, threat to Zach Ertz' fantasy points, his targets, his yards, and of course, a red zone uh, running those two tight end sets. So um, Josh has is a Travis Kelsey owner, and I'm sure he's he's just fine with with what he has. I am a George Kittle owner. I obviously Austin said he had a forty-point week um, last week. If you think about it, guys, uh, let me pull him up here. Uh, George Kittle, um, he had obviously the the breakout um, the breakout last week with the uh, monster game on the on the Sunday night. He he only played in the one game uh, against the Cardinals in the opening season or the season opener. Uh, four catches, 44 yards. So all of his points basically coming in one game, 15 catches on 15 targets, 183 yards and a score. Um, now, our league is, is, a, is a standard scoring PPR league. So, you know, you, you for, for instance, Austin, your guy, Darren Waller, is a great PPR player because he's a guy that will receive a lot of targets, a lot of receptions. The yardage, however, won't always be there. So if you're in a a non-PPR or a half-PPR league and you own a guy like Darren Waller, I mean, you're really hoping for a touchdown because a lot of times it's six, seven, eight, nine catches for 40 yards. And if you're not getting those PPR points, you know, you're really relying on end zone targets. And I feel like that's the catch if you're not in one of those leagues, uh, guys that aren't PPR because, you know, Jimmy Graham, again, touchdown dependent. Um, You know, a guy like Dalton Schultz probably isn't going to score a ton, but you're really hoping for you know 70, 80 yards of um, of uh, of production. Otherwise, he's not going to be much help to you. Our our league will help you because it's PPR. But I'm in a couple of leagues that's either half point or non PPR, and it is a it is an utter mess right now with the tight end situation um, happening around the NFL. Uh, of course, with the injury to George Kittle, that doesn't help. Um, Dalton Schultz, of course, stepping in. Noah Fant's injured. I know he's got an ankle. Mark Andrews has been banged up. It's just been a, a the emergence of Robert Tanyan out of nowhere. It's just been crazy. So I wanted to bring up the tight ends, um, you know, at one point through this uh, podcast as well. Okay, boys, let's go ahead and start diving into a little bit of of the week here. Tim, you already broke down a little bit of your matchup. Austin, let's go to your matchup next. Uh, you've got the number one the number one uh, standing holder right now, Josh Banderas. Uh, walk us through what happened on Thursday. You mentioned Mike Evans, 15 points. Looked like Bando had a had a player going on, on Thursday as well. How's this setting up for you this week? 
Well, it's projected to be a close one. So I got the 15 from Mike Evans. Bando got 8.2 out of Gronk, actually. So I was glad to see Evans taking away some targets there. Bando's projected to win by four. It's 120.7 to 116.9 right now. That leaves me hoping for a big game from one of my two running backs. Like I said, I think Dak will put up numbers like he has been. Amari Cooper's been really solid for me pretty consistently. Atlanta isn't stopping anyone, just like they're not moving the ball, so Robbie Anderson will put up points. So that brings it down to Rex Burkhead and Chase Edmonds in the backfield for me. The Jets are absolutely anemic. Um, the issue I have, though, is that my Colts just played them a couple weeks ago, and the defense outscored the Jets' offense. Didn't have the Colts' defense. The offense didn't do a whole lot. So I'm hoping that Arizona goes pretty vanilla and just feeds Chase Edmonds. He puts up more than the, the 9.8 he's projected for. Because as I look at Bando's matchups, he's got Devin Singletary projected for a decent amount of points and Stephon Diggs as well. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm not sold on. Tyreek Hill probably gets some numbers against Vegas, but this this is shaping up to be a closer matchup than I would have projected it to be before the week started. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that's definitely uh, a fair assessment, and you know it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I, I, gold star to whoever hit, hands Bando his first loss, and, and who knows, maybe that's this week for you. I'm matching up against Mick. Um, again, this is projected to be a nail-biter. I'm projected to win 132-128. I, I'm scared of Mick's team. I mean, I think he, I think he's drafted a really good team with all those running backs. He's still been able to, to find a way to try and make it work at receiver because one of his receivers is DeAndre Hopkins, who literally gets a billion targets uh, a game with um, with Kyler Murray. Um, my my big change, I put Matt Ryan on the bench. I'm tired of it. Ooh. I'm tired of watching him. I'm tired. I've got him in a couple of leagues. Um, the O line is putrid. They don't run the ball well. Uh, their receiver situation is a mess. Although Calvin Ridley is a top five fantasy player going into last week, he get, got a big goose egg. I think his his leg injuries probably had something to do with that. He didn't practice much last week. Julio's been a disappointment. Uh, Russell Gage has been okay, but he's been inconsistent. He had a concussion, and it's been uh, Olamide Zacchaeus, the 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 young man from Virginia, who's kind of been the savior for the Falcons. And I just don't trust Matt Ryan at all. So I'm swapping him out for big Ben Roethlisberger is now in my lineup and getting George Kittle back uh, is huge for me. 51% win percentage for me, which is, uh, you know, I'll take it, but prove it to me on the field. Um, Other matchups this week, you know, you look around the league. We already talked about Austin's matchup. We talked about Tim's matchup. Just a couple more. We need to talk about Josh and Jeremiah Searles. Uh, Jeremiah up to a 38-point lead on Josh, but he also had three players going. Allen Robinson gets Jeremiah 19. Tom Brady only 14. Uh, That's lower than you'd like it to be, and Chicago's defense uh, only gets Jeremiah 5 as well. So Josh projected to win big, and that one I expect Jeremiah fall to a a sadly (laughs) 0-5 on the year. That's just it's just not yeah. looking good for him. It, it's Jeremiah's team is more depressing than like a Dickensian street orphan. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's not a good look for Jeremiah. Yeah, he's trying to piece it together. He's had some injuries. He's hit the waiver wire. We'll see if it can come together and result in any wins anytime soon. Uh, Lamar is actually playing Greg, and this is again projected to be a good matchup here. Lamar is projected to win by three points. He had fifteen and a half points from Ronald Jones, who's turned into a pretty good back. For Tampa Bay and he got 12.3 from Jimmy Graham who had that ridiculous one-handed catch in the end zone for a touchdown for Chicago 
and Greg gets seven points uh, from Tampa Bay's D. So interesting matchups here this weekend, and, uh, you know, we'll see. We won't have uh, a whole bunch of two and two records. We'll have some three and two and two and three records, but this has just been a, a really bizarre and weird start uh, so far. Okay, boys, before we wrap it up, as we always do, let's uh, let's get some start sits. Anybody on your roster that um, you're thinking about maybe sitting, or or somebody that you're you're you know thinking about maybe putting in, and it's going to be a kind of game time call there. Tim, let's start with you. Well, I, unfortunately, if, if Mostert's not ready to go in the flex, then I'm going to have to start Slayton. ESPN tells me every week he's going to go off for 13, 14 points, and he promptly puts up like four. Uh, so I, I don't trust him as far as I could throw him. Uh, so so Mostert's going to get the start so long as he can stay healthy. I suppose I'm gambling a little bit. ESPN doesn't seem to think Cole Beasley is going to have that big of a week. I think they've, they've got him just down for 10 points. Um, but that being said, I, I don't trust Henderson enough, even though he's a running back. I, I don't know why I, I pulled out Henderson out of the hat there. Um, I, I, Debo Samuel uh, is a guy that I just got back uh, from injury. I drafted him. He's been out for a little bit. But again, uh, he's he's still recovering from injury. I, I, get, I don't think he's going to go off um, this week, so I'm, I'm going to sit him. So I, I think I'm pretty set. The only tough choice, and I don't even think it's a tough choice, is whether or not I'm going to start uh, Mostert or Slayton. But again, Slayton has just been woeful uh, versus that week one uh, thing. The other thing I'm going to have to do, though, is is uh, I'm going to have to band together my, my players virtually. Uh, I'm going to read them the transcript of General Dwight D. Eisenhower's uh, D-Day address. Um, the eyes right. of the world are upon my fantasy team um, together uh, with confidence and courage. Uh, we will accept nothing less than full victory uh, is my message to my team. And uh, of course the whole world uh, is with me. I, I can imagine. Wishing you the best of luck. And we're intrigued to see how your team responds to that type of messaging um, <laughs> with the, with the Dwight D Eisenhower approach. <laughs> Austin, how about you? What are you looking at this week? Are you, is your lineup pretty set or you have a, you have a couple decisions to make before kick? Well, I'm coming for the King. So I best not miss. I got to make sure I press all the right buttons. I'm trying to figure out if, it's the right decision to press a button or not press a button. I, we talked about my wide receiver depth, and I think I have some, some good matchups sitting on my bench. T.Y. Hilton has yet to have really any points, only 29 points on the year. So I don't really want to play him, but after I saw what Dak and Amari and company did to the Browns secondary last week, I'm tempted. I don't think I'm going to, but then the other two bench receivers – that I am contemplating putting in would be Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson. They're going against some pretty weak secondaries. New England is 24th in points allowed to f- opposing fantasy receivers. And Seattle for Justin Jefferson is 32nd. They give up a whole lot of points. Awful. Just awful. So if, if I'm going to make a move, it would probably be Justin Jefferson in for Robbie Anderson. But Atlanta's just as bad as They're Seattle. They're also terrible. So. And also keep in mind, no Stephon Gilmore this weekend for New England, so their top corner um, defensive MVP right. is out too. So that could that could also play into your decision. Yeah, it, so who are your receivers locked in right now? Well, right now I have the Mike Evans with 15 points. Amari Cooper I'm keeping because mm-hmm. I trust the Cowboys' yep. offense even if they don't win the game. So it's really just, you know, four-way. you are kind of loaded at receiver. Yeah, and then it's just between Robbie Anderson and any of those three bench guys. Well, we'll keep an eye on that and see what – you end up deciding and what ends up playing out for you. Um, really, I'm in a similar situation as you, Austin. I'm not moving Jonathan Taylor out of my flex. I think no. he's 
there's just too much volume there for him. Even if it's a if it's a garbage time goal line touchdown, whatever it is, I, you know the the he he is he's a, they're gonna feed him. They just yes. are, and hopefully he can sure. start to be more productive uh, for the Colts. Obviously not touching Mike Davis. He gets a million checkdowns a game, and Josh Jacobs. I I can't bench him either, uh, even though the Kansas City's defense has been really good. Uh, but maybe I maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. Um, my my decision here though is. Tyler Boyd has been left on my bench like the last three games, and he has been really, really good. I mean, he gets high targets, high receptions, even a lot of yardage. He hasn't scored a whole bunch, but I've left a lot of points on my bench with him. Um, so I, I've, I have him slotted in right now, and I have uh, scary Terry McLaurin, again, another high target type type of player uh, who would have scored me 22 points last week and would have put me in a, a spit shot of you, Austin, had I played him last week. Um, but I have him on the bench right now just because I'm uncertain with the Washington football team quarterback situation with Kyle Allen. I don't know how that's right. going to work. So um, I've got him on the bench right now, and uh, that's really the only one that, I, that I'm that i considering putting in there. Um, I, I obviously le- left David Montgomery on the bench this week too, who had 18.9 on Thursday. So other than that, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I think my lineup's pretty much set where it's at against Mick this week. Um, okay, boys, we are, let's see, 0 for 3, 6. We're 0 for 12 so far in, pre- <laughs> in predicting the highest score of the week. Uh, last week, Josh predicted Calvin Ridley. He was not the leading scorer last week. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. Mick went with Patrick Mahomes. He was not the leading scorer last week, and I went with Dak Prescott. Uh, he had another good game but was not the leading scorer last week. So, um, let's try again. Week five, Tim, who's going to be the leading scorer in fantasy this week? Um, hmm. Would it be weird if I said Randy Bullock, the Cincinnati hicker is just going to be drilling 60 yarders? No, I don't think it's going to be Randy Bullock, although I would not be mad if that were to happen. Uh, how about this? Raheem Mostert is going to play and he's going to set all a right. fantasy record all time. Uh, and points scored. I'm not sure exactly what the single game record for fantasy points scored is, but he's going to break that. Uh, in fact, he's going to double it. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 is what you're shooting Yeah, he's going to score 120. So, I, I think I can comfortably okay. project. Um, bold strategy there, Cotton. Austin, what about you? Who you got your eye on? Well, I'm, I think my new strategy is going to be look at whoever's playing the Jets and go with someone from that team. So that leaves me with the Cardinals, and I, I would love it if it would be Chase Edmonds, the running back I picked up, I, I think he's going to have a good game. I don't think he's going to be the leading scorer. But give me DeAndre Hopkins. I think he gets back on track this week against the fight in Adam Gases. Very good. Uh, I need to correct myself. I picked – I know now looking at it, I remember. I picked Ezekiel Elliott last week. That was my pick. I, I thought he would get going, and he definitely did not do that. Um, You know, for me, I, man, I'm looking at, at some of the projected totals. Josh Allen is number one. Oh, by the way – uh, let's see. DeAndre Hopkins is projected at number 15. I'm not even going to scroll down and find where Raheem Mostert is. I'm <laughs> guessing he's outside the top 50 in, uh, in projected, projected totals. Um, this week, I'm going to change it up. Um, I, I've picked a lot of quarterbacks this year. I think I'll stay running back one more week. Uh, give me Alvin Kamara. He's had a great year uh, so far. And um, yeah, I'm going to roll with him this week. And I know that's bad news for you, Austin. If that would be the case, because uh, he is residing on Banderas' team. All right, gentlemen, before we've, we've gone over time, anything, any, any lingering final thoughts before we hang it up, both with the league or, or with your team or with COVID or with, with anything else you want to say? We didn't go nearly as far overtime as Oklahoma, Texas did, that's for sure. That's right. 
Yeah, there's a reason yeah. why uh, you know we're recording this later than we normally do. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Sam Ellinger and Oklahoma's defense. Appreciate it, Tim. The tide is anything turning. you want to tell the people? Yes, the tide is turning for uh, Sir Yachts inside source. Uh, the free men of the world are marching together to victory uh, and substituting free men of the world as in uh, my fantasy team uh, to use Eisenhower's parlance. So, um, yes, uh, I am declaring victory already. I'm calling my shot. It worked last time on Sports Nightly. I'm doing it again. Uh, Brett Woody will be in tears uh, by the end of, well, I guess it'll probably be Tuesday will be the time that's that's over. But he'll be in tears I'm- at some point. I'm realizing the irony in you naming your team Syriot's Inside Source. You've been about as accurate predicting your team and how this <laughs> fantasy season is going to go as that man was in predicting Big Ten football. But, hey, Big Ten football came back, so maybe you'll win uh, the world championship in the Sports Nightly Fantasy League. Yeah, Syriot uh, was right all along. Yeah, he was. He knew it. Uh, he had that inside source, hence the team name. Um, that's going to do it for us, for Tim, for Austin. Appreciate all of you for – Uh, spending part of uh, whenever you're listening to this, probably Sunday with us. Thanks to uh, Josh Hilkman for producing this thing. I'm wishing you all the best of luck. Hopefully your players stay healthy. We're back with another thrilling, exciting, and information-packed Sports Nightly Fantasy Football podcast next week. Have a great weekend.